Agents Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Chime. Chime offers an award-winning sales acceleration platform built for the real estate industry. Powered by artificial intelligence, Chime delivers the data insights agents and teams need to make the most out of the leads they already have and to get to a close faster. Through an expanding partner network, Chime's easy-to-use conversion platform also delivers quality sales-ready leads from the get-go. It eliminates time-consuming manual tasks and helps agents focus on what matters most, building their network, servicing clients, and growing the bottom line. To learn more about how Chime can help you, visit www.chime.me or call 833-682-4463. Welcome back, Lab Coat Nation, to another episode of the Lab Coat Agents Podcast. And today, uh, I feel like we're going to nerd out a little bit. And I say that because we're going to be talking data and we're going to be talking about uh, mining public records for data and then how to use that to your advantage in your business. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking to Aaron Norris, who is the Vice President of Market Insights for a a platform called Property Radar. Uh, and, And Aaron speaks publicly uh, you write nationally, you do all kinds of cool things. Uh, so I'm sure this is going to be a, something that you talk about on the absolute regular basis. Welcome to the show, Aaron Norris. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So you are actually on the road right now. You're traveling at, at the time that we're recording this. And I imagine you're speaking right now. What, uh, what, kind, of a, what kind of event are you at right now? I'm going to be speaking at Think Realty, and it's a panel specifically on the ROI of technology. That's pretty cool. So why don't we do this? Let's let's digress for a second. And let's just assume our audience has no idea who the hell you are. And so <laughs> let's let's tell them who you are and kind of give us the background about how you came up in business because you've got a kind of a, a, a rich background of from you know real estate and fixing houses to some hard money side of the business. Uh, I'm sure you've probably done some investing. Tell us, tell us about yourself. Sure. Uh, started flipping houses with my dad when I was five uh, for peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, I like to say. <laughs> so uh, fixed and flipped some very ugly houses with pops growing up. I decided uh, when I was 19 to move to New York City. I was a professional actor based there. And in between gigs fell on, into Wall Street doing acquisition and merger presentations for a banking firm. And I really enjoyed it. So I sort of fell into PR and marketing in a very strange way. Came back to California, long story short, rejoined the family business many years later. Um, I'm a mortgage MLO, uh, specializing in hard money. I'm a licensed real estate broker. I've been in the real estate community creating content for over 15 years and vice president of Market Insights now, sort of living a dream doing the technology space, helping and teaching nationwide investors, realtors, mortgage professionals, how to get better with data because it's not just for Wall Street anymore. So that's what I do. That's interesting. You uh, So from acting to Wall Street, that seems like a really obvious segue. <laughs> you know what? But I'd love to say that because there's room for everyone in the real estate business. You just have to really focus on, we like to talk about chocolate versus peanut butter. Chocolate is what you bring to the business. And if you have a very good idea of who you are, what gets you jumping up in the bed in the morning, the strategies you're going to nail, I have, I have the peanut butter, the data. And when you combine those two is when it's magic. The people that fail, the biggest mistake I see is people just roaming and not really sort of deciding to focus on a niche is where they get lost. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree. And I think 
uh, talking about the word data, I think immediately, and <laughs> I'm, I'm going to preface this, you're going to get a lot of people like, oh, click, like oh. boring, right? <laughs> uh, but but that's part of the problem. And I'm, right. I'm here to call them out because that's kind of my job as you listeners, you're listening right now. This is something that is ever evolving, number one. And number two, there's so few sales professionals because sales professionals are, are the most squirrel chasing individuals in the world uh, mm-hmm. that actually sit back and execute on, on a strategy that involves data because it just doesn't seem fun. But let's be honest, we're not in necessarily in, we're in business to pay our bills, right? And to create a lifestyle for ourselves. So if I can do it at a, at a higher level to make more money by using data, I should stick around and listen to this. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, for me, it's a conversation about right-bound marketing. You know, a decade ago, we were really all into inbound marketing. Hey, if I create the right message and the right content, I'm going to draw people in. They're just going to, yeah, it's a sea of free right now. Uh, So many hours and hours of pictures and video are uploaded every day. It's really easy to get lost. And then outbound, everybody's throwing outbound under the bus, like direct mail doesn't work, billboard, just trying to bring them in in different ways. So right-bound marketing for me simply means you're talking to the right audience at the right time and the right channel with the right message. So as a broker, say you've got a team and you've got somebody on your team, they just love working with seniors. Um, They know all the local code and the local laws. Um, They have a network of CPAs, attorneys, and estate planners to help these people. It's a relationship-driven business. This is a belly-to-belly business. And that person, you can send them nonstop leads. Anytime somebody turns 65, bam, you give them a lead and they get to talk to somebody that they know wants to hear what they, or more likely to have, you know, receive what they have to offer. That's fun. Instead of creating, you know, going to title and say, hey, can I have a list of properties in the zip code that are owner-occupied? We can do better. Right. Yeah. I love it. So, so talk about, talk a little bit about what now you're doing now and and how that applies. And then let's go deep on maybe some strategies that real estate agents could be uh, utilizing in that. So let's talk a little bit about, again, what your current role is. What is property radar? Oh yeah. Property radar is a public records platform. So people mortgage and property data all in one. So public records are, are free. You know, you can go down to the assessor's office. You can go to the county recorder's office, have fun. <laughs> the beauty of uh, Property Radar is we went nationally in uh, November. We've been around for over a decade, uh, serving five Western states. But being able to combine all that information and then layering on the demographic information with pre-appended emails and phone numbers, it's just a very powerful tool to create very robust and highly targeted hyper-localized lists that are also dynamic. So we work with Zapier. So you bring your favorite CRM, your favorite marketing tools, and we couldn't be filling it with consistent leads. So that list that I mentioned previously that, you know, somebody turns 65, somebody ages into that list, you could get one lead one at a time instead of, you know, going to these list lead companies and having to buy every month, like a, a list of 3000 or something and trying to figure out how to keep track of it all. It's, it's a lot. So yeah, having all that information in one place and ability to see really interesting insights just makes it a lot more actionable. What are some examples? So you mentioned the the age one. Um, mm-hmm. What are some other examples of data that that you see real estate professionals utilizing or using to sure. create leads? I, I have a really interesting one. Uh, one minute before you and I hopped on the call, I was talking to a company that focuses on accessory dwelling units nationwide. Are, are you familiar with the term? No. 
Accessory dwelling units are secondary units in the backyard. California made it by law, if you are a property owner, you have the right to build a secondary unit up to 1,200 square feet on your property. So what I was showing him, and he was pretty excited. Is this, is this, is this a, a, a politically correct way of saying a shed? <laughs> These are much nicer than sheds. So <laughs> in order to qualify for an ADU, at least in the state of California, it has to be a livable space. So you have to have a kitchen, someplace to eat and sleep. Um, Mother-in-law quarters, if you will. Correct. Granny, flat, casitas, whatever you want to call them. And in public records, it's going to show up as a single family plus an accessory dwelling unit. This is not something that you can sell separately. But think about all the opportunities there. I've talked to people that are seniors that say, hey, I want to move into this 800 square foot building I'm going to build in the back. And I, went out, I want to rent out the front to a younger family so I can supplement my social security. I'm a real estate investor that owns free and clear. I just need more depreciation. I want more income. I'm going to build a second one in the back and I'm going to turn this into a, a, a rental for nurses. So a long-term rental unit and create a lot more income. So there's so many different ways to play the ADU and in the data, there's even a lot of ways to find them. So I could say, hey, I want to look at lots that are over 10,000 square feet where the owner has 30% equity because, uh, you know, I need them to be able to tap in to have some money. And maybe they've been in it for 10 years and they're, you know, over the age of 30. I don't know. Or let's say I want to find a, a lot that's zoned R3, so it should have a triplex on it, uh, but only has a single family currently. And this is what's crazy. In California, if that happens, what that says is that I can already build a triplex but in California, I can have an ADU for each of the units that are permitted. So I could have six units. So for because we're in a market where real estate is so hot, a lot of times we're as real estate professionals having to create deals. So if you're a realtor and you haven't you do not have a real estate investor in your back pocket, you're missing out because these are people that do consistent deals over time. They're legacy builders. So they're collectors. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, you, you have more of a chance to do business with them over and over and over again. They don't have to be just flippers. They could be um, landlords. So anyway, so many different ways to play that data play. So in other words, going back to what you were just mentioning is, is, is as a potential strategy is being the one who finds as the authority or the resource for these, because the flipper could do this themselves, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. So you, it's just a matter of knowing. It's just a matter of being being knowledgeable enough to know that this kind of stuff is out there, and then finding a way to create different avenues of revenue streams, essentially. Because as a realtor, why wouldn't you why wouldn't you potentially use this for yourself to be your own investor? Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard that a time or two. All right. So, so that's a very unique example. Um, you mentioned the age one. Let's go back to that for a second. What do you see? Like, what's an example of why somebody is targeting over 65, for example, because, because of the potential to sell? Great question. Uh, as we age, we tend to become net sellers of real estate. We don't need as many. Or if you're a landlord, maybe you've taken all the depreciation. So you're sitting on a lot of, well, I'll speak to me personally. I'm, I'm a landlord, I own rentals, and I'm getting rid of all my condos. I'm so tired of poorly run HOAs that are financially mismanaged, and I'm building to rent in Florida. And this is just me personally. So I'm able to sell something in California and buy a brand new house that's even getting more rent without the HOA. <laughs> so it's amazing. So if you as a realtor or sort of thinking, you know how hard it is, especially if you're working with first time home buyers. And I rarely see this happen in all the rentals that I've owned. I've only had it happen twice where a realtor reached out to me 
knew that I was a landlord and said, hey, I have a, a home buyer that absolutely loves this area. If you were ever thinking of selling, will you please contact me first? It was so much more personalized. She knew who I was. I could tell that she just didn't send a stupid generic letter out to everybody. It was targeted. The message was stickier. And it's only happened twice. I've been a property owner for in, in the rental space for 10 years. You know who's killing it though? iBuyers. I get more contact from the iBuyers like Open Door than I ever have realtors. Hmm. Interesting. So and they're contacting me because I have equity. Uh, I'm a non-owner occupied, so I don't have an emotional tie to this property. And I've owned it for a long time. I'm sitting on a ton of equity. So they're hoping that I'm thinking about selling. Are they basically doing exactly what you're telling agents they should be doing? Pretty much. Listen, the iBuyers are not buying the hard ones. They're, they're buying the easy ones. And they are competition for realtors. They, they don't want people problems and they don't want property problems. In most areas, they're not buying things that need heavy rehab. They're not buying things that are, you know, 100 years old. Um, so they're going to buy the stuff that's really easy in and out. That's where we're going to struggle. So as a community, as a real estate professional, you just have to know the game the buy box of what you're competing with. And they're not in every market, but it changes in every market too. Yeah, but do you think that they're going to every market? I mean, this is a hot topic in our world. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've been following this data for years and it's been really interesting. It's changed a lot. So in California, um, I'm based in Riverside and Riverside has had all four. So OfferPad just, you know, just hit the news today that they're going to go public uh, with uh, Spencer from Zillow, this interesting move. I have Opendoor who just went public last year. Redfin, uh, just, there's so many different players and they all have different things that they do. OfferPad is well known for doing rehabs. Well, the model changed after COVID. They're really barely doing any rehabs right now, all of them uh, in my market. OfferPad's gone, but Zillow, Redfin, and Opendoor are still there. You're lucky if you get paint at this point. My favorite is watching them in Palm Springs. They'll leave the pink tile from the 1960s. They'll paint the cabinets like a really dark brown and put brush pull nickel <laughs> pulls on. And they're like, that's it. That's all you're getting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty ugly. Do you, well, but, but now that we're on that topic, do you think that that is something, I mean, that's almost uh, like probably one of the more overlooked things in our business. It's like this is the whole Zillow topic, right? Which is very pulverizing. Mm -hmm. um, the, the whole iBuyer, which is, by the way, is, is gone somewhat silent as a result of what's been happening in the real estate world. But first, first question, do you just think they're all just kind of sitting in the way and they're just sitting in the wings? They're just waiting because we are going to, we're going to have somewhat of a correction. I don't know if I'll call it a crash. We're gonna have a correction. There's going to be probably a whole slew of foreclosures at some point. And are they just waiting to pounce? And so they're just kind of sitting silent because everything's selling for too much. They're, they're not fitting into their model, right? What is your opinion on, on that? Oh, you opened up Pandora's box. I don't know if we have enough time. So, so you know, depends on the market, but a, a fair percentage of what they buy. So a lot of this happens off market. Realtors don't even know because they're marketing to people like me. I'm never going to work with a, a real estate agent. I'm just selling it to them because I don't want to go through the listing experience. There's a fair amount also institutional investors raised a lot of money thinking that there was going to be distressed, a huge wave of foreclosures. And unfortunately, they're going to be sorely disappointed, most likely. Why, so Why do you think media, that? The media is going to cover it. But any foreclosures that we see anytime soon, the stuff that should have happened last March before COVID even hit. So when it does, I look at the playbook that we had during the financial crisis. We were giving people 15-year loans at a lower discounted rate, and their price, their principal value had been cut in half. We've got the playbook. So right now, if you bought a house in last January, how much equity are you sitting on? 
it's not a foreclosure. It's called a sale. You may not want to, but it's not a short sale and it's right. not a foreclosure. Right. So builders are building to suit. They can't keep up. They're not buying entire neighborhoods. So there's just, there's a lot of different nuance in, in, and players in the space. Wall Street institutional raised all this money thinking they were going to go after distressed. Where they're going to go is they're going to buy directly from iBuyers. It'll be all off the table. You're not going to see it happen. They're going to buy from builders. There's going to be a fair amount of build to rent. Uh, they're going to create it, but it's very scary and difficult right now. If you're in, not in the builder space, man, it's, it's tough. Supply chain disruption is real. Prices are going up. I got an email last week from Florida with a builder just trying to cancel the contract because so many price increases have happened. They can't build for the price that they quoted the customer. It's terrible. So all these players are going to absorb. I don't see prices necessarily getting soft, at least for the next year. If, if the feds increase interest rates, we saw that as a community, what that did. I think it was in 2019. It definitely softened things. Mm -hmm. But man, we're so short on supply. It's going to be really interesting to watch. It really is. Well, that's yeah, and then, and then as long as, as prices stay inflated, it's it all it's going to continue to be a good time to sell. But it's interesting what you just brought up, which is that you know everybody's anticipating a couple of things that you mentioned. Like first of all, there's a bunch of people that should have been foreclosed on pre-COVID and then got to get out of jail free card for a while because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Then there's the people that legitimately have hardship as a result of COVID and are using you know, the, the, whatever the stimulus they're getting, the help that they're getting to not be foreclosed upon. But what you're saying is once we come out of this, which just makes total sense. And we've been saying this to realtors, like this is opportunity for them is that they should be having conversations with their pipelines, with their SOIs, mm -hmm. just to see how they're doing. And at some point, maybe the conversation is going to become up that, yeah, I lost my job. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm behind on my mortgage. And it's the perfect opportunity for a realtor to say, Listen, I know you don't want to do this. I don't even want to think about this, but you have probably two options, foreclose or sell and come out ahead. And if you sell and come out ahead, you're going to do less damage to your credit. You can go rent for a couple of years while you reestablish. You're going to walk away with X amount of dollars, sit on it, and then you'll be ready to buy a house in a few years, which now for the realtor creates two transactions and a loyal as hell customer, right? Correct. I'm so glad you said that. And I, I know we're on limited time. I want to bring up, are you familiar with the 211 number? Tell it to me. It's a, it's a nationwide network of health. It's a health and human services hotline. It exists nationwide. I happen to be the chair in Riverside County where I live. They just got another round of over 30 million of CARES Act money that is there to support um, tenants and landlords. I have some landlords that are getting tens of thousands of dollars. If, if they, they'll pay an entire year's worth of rent, 80%, if the landlord were, will forgive the other 20%. There, and if you call, it's a hotline to where they have all the local numbers of nonprofits and government resources. In, in my, what I'm seeing is a lot of people just aren't paying attention at the local level, all those resources. If you dial 211 and ask them for the data and different resources for housing, rent, utility, possibly even mortgages. You just never know until you call and ask. It's different in every county. I just wanted to throw that out there. There's national, state, and local resources that some people just don't even know exist. And unfortunately, 211 doesn't have a big marketing budget. Yeah. So it's just, you have to know the call, whatever county you're in. But um, I think, you know, when it comes to the owner-occupant, you're. I just don't think it's a good look. I don't care what party you're affiliated with during a, a global pandemic to have a huge ways of foreclosures and evictions. And then if you're evicted 
I'm looking at a, as a landlord, they're coming my way. You know, what are the chances I want to rent to them either? It's just, a, it's a terrible situation. I would expect more help coming out for our sector for sure. Interesting. Interesting. It's an interesting perspective. But, and so now that you brought up the two-on-one, I think it's interesting because I think a lot of our listeners probably are also property owners. They're probably landlords, right? And so mm-hmm. A, what is entailed? Now I'm curious, what is entailed on qualifying for help? Do you have to prove hardship for the tenant, I presume? Or are there potential landlords that are taking advantage of this and saying, hey, let's go prove hardship and then I'll lower your rent and I'll take my 80%, you know? Oh, there's always going to be some people who are just absolute terrible people and ruin it for everyone. And I hope that's not what we decide to do as a community. I, I just want to point it out that a lot of it landlords own outside of their county. And as you as a realtor, if you're looking to get in the way of inventory or build relationships uh, with people outside your county, that's actually one of the data points we have, which I'm most fascinated with. If you're a landlord in California and you live in another state, I'm laughing because California just can't help itself. It keeps coming out with these laws that are so tenant pro-tenant to the extreme, it's really hard. And if you don't know the local resources to get in, in front of, holy cow. So your question, I'm sorry, was... It was really not a question. It was just more of a... just a, Yeah, people taking advantage of it. Well, no, actually, the, the question was, how do they... How does it work? So if I am a landlord and I ha- I'm in this situation, I didn't know this existed, how do I... So I, I, I call 211. Simple mm-hmm. as that, right? 211. Yep. Say your landlord, seeing if there's any resources for help for landlords or tenants. Here's the thing. I've had a tenant before who needed help with rent, utilities, and unfortunately, she had some other personal things happening that she could use some help with. A little too personal to mention on the air, but I said, I need you to call this number. They have access to a language database as well. So um, she happened to be Spanish was her native language and I took four years, but unfortunately, I only know bad words in restaurant. But (laughs) she was able to call and get all the resources that she didn't even know was available. You just have to say, here's my situation. For me locally, at my local market, there are specific county uh, regulations that can be different at the state. So unfortunately, you do have to dive down. For my local area, it does have to do with affordable housing. They're really trying to target people that are at danger and probably are less likely to reach out. So they're targeting the landlords, which I'm really excited about because that's really hard when you have the state that are picking and winning losers. And typically it's the wealthy landlords who, you know, everybody assume are these big Wall Street behemoths. And we're not, you know, we're mom and pop and this is our business. And you basically said, yep, eviction free for the next year. And I'll give you a great example. I talked to the the lady who runs the Real Estate Investors Association in Long Island. She's got one renter who stopped paying in February. She offered them $30,000 in cash, uh, cash for keys. They said no, because the eviction moratorium in New York got pushed all the way through June. She says, by the time I'm able to process this in the courts, because they'll be so backed up, it's going to be 2022. She will be out $70,000. Wow. Yeah. So I, it's really, it frustrates me, the affordable housing conversation and I just, I'm, I'm excited to see the federal and the state conversation look at least like they're trying to deal with the entire problem holistically. And as a realtor, trying to find the opportunity <laughs> in a really tight market. And I think off market is where we have to focus as an industry because that's where the opportunity lies. And where can we discover in public records where we think are most likely to move? Is it because they're having kids? Is it because they're retiring and moving out of state? Are they a landlord that are tired of tenants, toilets, and trash? 
where can we find those points in, in life where people decide to sell and I want to be there first? Let's talk about that then. So you, you teased it. Well, well played. <laughs> um, and, you know, and we, we've already talked, so we've talked about two data points, which is the age and uh, the sheds, the she sheds and the, the mother-in-law quarters. Um, <laughs> but so let's talk about some other opportunities because that's the word, that's the word of the day. That's the word of, and, and frankly, listen, real estate agents, you guys, you guys hear me on these webinars. I, I've been in the business 20 years. It's a roller coaster ride. And those who sustain are the most successful are the ones that are looking ahead, not living in the moment, collecting a paycheck because it's easy. Like if otherwise, if you, if you don't listen to what people like me say, well, 12 months from now, you're going to be like, what the hell just happened? And where'd my money go? And now if you listen to the Aaron Norris of the world and you hear these opportunities, you need to act on them now, even though you may not have the time, make the damn time. So Aaron, Let's give our audience some opportunities. Okay, let's talk about having kids. So there is data that will tell you when families have kids. So maybe they're looking for a little bit more room and maybe you decide after, you know, once the baby turns one year old, it gets real uncute to have the baby living in your bedroom and there's a two bedroom. So you start marketing to people with new families that are only living in a two one. Hmm. And now we're being forced to start educating, working, and having kids on two bedrooms. A little harder to do. This is a little glib. I just want you to know that it's out there. You can buy probate data, but if you're the hyper-local expert that reads the paper on or offline, and you know somebody has passed, you can look up that information and see home ownership. And you, please don't send a card saying, so sorry that he died. You want to sell your real estate? <laughs> just, <laughs> but that's even before it hits public record, which is really interesting. Maybe you work a market where there's these handful of houses that were built a long time ago, and there's been a lot of development where people have come in and just blown up the value. You know, you can specifically tar start targeting those people that own 100% free and clear and say, you know what? You're sitting on a, a ton of cash right now. If you're willing to turn this 2-1 with the basement into a 4-2 with a full basement, you're going to be able to greatly increase the value. We're going to be able to sell this to you, uh, sell it, and you know, get you in, into another neighborhood that you want to go. Like, I don't know. Um, there's so many different weird opportunities in the data. Maybe you have some ideas. Oh, uh, well, I was going to ask you some questions on, on what you mentioned. Um, oh, so it. first of all, you're in a market right now that's gone through that, which is, which is Austin. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so you're, you, you threw me off because you said the, the agent's going to reach out to the homeowner, suggest they do a big ass rehab and then potentially sell their house. I guess, I guess there's twofold. I mean, I guess you're kind of educating them as to, hey, you have the equity, use it to improve your property, which will then improve this potential sale price. I, I guess my question to you is, and you're involved in this, and, and I haven't thought through this. If, if you give me some time, I'd, I'd think of some things, but how is it that someone would go about, how would they go about executing on this strategy as opposed to just like a one-by-one? One? Is it a mailer concept? Is it a a targeted ad concept? Like what is mm. the most efficient way to reach the highest number of people? Channels. Okay. I, I don't care about what channel you use as long as you use whatever you're good at. Some people have a radio face and have no business being on YouTube. They're super uncomfortable to watch and they're more introverted. Um, and so as soon as I start talking about strategies like door knocking, they die inside. Mm. And that's, so you, I originally mentioned chocolate versus peanut butter. Chocolate, really knowing who you are and the strategies you're going to execute. 
you probably just got really excited about me talking about things like accessory dwelling unit, things that are a lot more research process and procedure oriented and construction. That gets you excited. You know how to run a crew. You don't have to start a YouTube channel. <laughs> Some of you dealing with seniors, you know what, having an ad in the church missile, <laughs> you know, might work really well for you. Every market is different. It's up to you to find out what channels you're best at. I have people that just do nothing but call. They don't send direct mail. They don't do lookalike ads on anything digital. They just call because it's seniors. And seniors have been locked up in their home for the last year, completely lonely, and just really want to talk to somebody. And you're really good at it. And you're authentic. And you care. <laughs> so I don't care about the channel as long as it works for you. So when it comes to acquiring this data, how does that work for, how does that work for a, a real estate or mortgage professional? And they say, okay, I like where this conversation's going. It's spurned an idea. And, and, and let me ask you this before we get to that. Is it as simple as searching for homes with a certain amount of equity? I mean, is it that simple? They can do yeah. that? Yeah, property radar, it can get a little overwhelming. It is a little bit more advanced. There's over 200 criteria. We've just talked about some of my favorites today. So depending on your niche, you're getting to layer these. You're layering things like the property type. I only want to look at three twos over 1,500 square feet. I only want to be in this neighborhood. I only want to talk to people over age of 55. I want the lot to look like this. I want them to have this amount of equity. Yeah, those are all things that you can, you know, some people call it list stacking. So if you were going to title they'd be limited in some of the stacking and then they don't typically have emails and phone numbers and things like that. So yeah, you come up with your specific niche and the data is typically there. How different is this, uh, how, how different is Property Radar from a platform like a Remind? Are you familiar with Remind? A little bit. We specialize in distressed as well. Uh, the demographic data, the pre-appending emails and phone numbers are I think different. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. So it's, it's very robust nationwide. I know the, the little that I've shown had with Remind, it's definitely a, bit, a little bit more realtor oriented, some of the things like sales and things like that. But um, I think you're going to find a lot more interesting things when it comes to specifics on the characteristics of the property and demographics. Okay. And, and so when you say the the stacking of the data, for example, is are you so from your opinion, you know, you're the professional here. So if a realtor says, okay, I'm intrigued and I want to get into this, but I don't, I, I'm not really sure how to go super deep on the stacking, for example. Like the first thing that comes to mind is I want to search a geographical area of homes that have 70% equity or 30% equity or more, right? And so, uh, you know, a 70% kind of LTV kind of situation, I guess a, a lender might do that as well. When you, when, when you see somebody do that, is that too broad in your opinion? Yeah. It is. It is. It is. I, I would typically say like, let's do better. Let's go back and see everything that you've been able to accomplish in the last year. Where did they come from? I always like to start there. Let's just do a lot more of that. Let's, let's see if we can wrap make our marketing better around there. But let's see if we're creating personas. Do you have a persona? Do you find yourself gravitating to Gen Z already? Or are you just, you know, millennials are your bread and butter? How do they want to be communicated with? How can we get in the way of more of them? Your, your marketing funnel might look very different from somebody um, that deals with the 55 and older crowd. So I always like to start there. I'm like, okay, great. And then you're right. Part of my job is to get people to dream with data, to ask the question, what's possible? What, 
what data in their life could change to where I could get, you know, updates of singular opportunities instead of me trying to pull these lists, you know, every, every quarter. Um, so is it somebody getting, having a baby in the family? Is it a, a death of one of the joint tenants? Is it somebody hitting a 50% equity mark? You know, the dynamic data is what's pretty cool to where, you know, if you can come up with a persona, that's great. Or I definitely have teams that come to me and say, hey, I have somebody who specializes in historic zones. Great. Let's create, you know, a little triangle around these neighborhoods that we know are historic or the age of the property is over this amount. And, you know, if the owners uh, typically hold on for 30 years, let's only talk to them around year 27, you know? So it's different, different strategies, different data sets, but I think a lot of people just don't know what's possible. How accurate is the data? Um, that's the question people are going to have. It's, it's a great question. Public records are messy and they're never perfect. I, I work with media quite a bit, pulling stories. Um, and my favorite right now is trying to track some of these institutional investors. And in public records, I get to see all the title companies and all the errors being made and how the names of the streets are misspelled, the name of entities. So there are errors, but public records is a very powerful place to start. And we do a lot of work trying to make the data as clean as possible from multiple sources. (laughs) And it's updated quite a bit. Like all those different data sources are updated on different timelines, but some of them are daily in big cities. So, so it's, so, you know, you're, you're, it's pretty obvious or you can be pretty confident that the, the purchase price, the purchase date are probably going to be accurate. That just is what it is. But where are, where is, is a property radar pulling an estimated value and pulling an estimated equity from? We're doing that based on uh, going interest rates at the time of purchase and then how much uh, money was put down. And so there is a little bit. So we say estimated equity and we're tracking all the loans. Maybe there's three loans deep. So, you know, we're trying to stack and figure out uh, what that equity percentage. So it's not perfect, but man, it's a really, you're not going to go to your county recorder's office and do that on your own for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Do you have any, any uh, example success stories that you know of, of, of any uh, real estate professionals that have used this platform? And if so, like what that looked like for them? Oh yeah. You know, here on the, our company, the Norris group, uh, my family company used it in two different ways. Um, so I'll just talk about me personally, actually three different ways as a hard money lender. I was doing research on flippers in my backyard and it changes drastically depending on the market. You can really see a lot of turnover. So on top of following the I buyers, I'm also following anybody who flips. I'm looking at the kind of rehabs they're doing. I went as far as buying one of those machines that look like handwriting And so I would use property radar data daily. I would get the list of people who were flipping. I would look at the property and make sure it was somebody I would want to loan to. I wanted to make sure that they were doing quality work and it looked like they made money. And so on this, I would have this machine basically handwriting like, dear Mike, you know, your property on this looks really, really great. Try to make it as specific and automated as possible. So I use it for hard money and then I connected with them on social media. My goal was to try to touch them in multiple different avenues and ways within like a week. So three different channels. So I used it there. My brother was in charge of our trustee sale buying division. And anybody who seriously did trustee sale courthouse buying as an investor in California used property radar. I mean, once upon a time, you were spending $1,000 a month for one county for um, trustee sale data. Yeah, it's, it's unbeatable. So anybody who was serious about trustee sale was using property radar. We used it quite a bit there. And now, personally, as I'm building in Florida, I'm really interested in going after lots. So trying to do skip tracing uh, work, trying to find out who owns it. A lot of times in the market that I'm building, that's been passed down from generation to generation. And 
they don't have any emotional attachment to this land. So I'm looking for flood zone area, square footage, who owns it and trying to get in contact with them. So yeah, I've used it in three different ways all by myself over the last eight years. That's part of why I'm at with Property Radar. I've been the biggest fan for a long time. Interesting. Interesting. And so how does somebody get uh, how does somebody use the platform? Is it something that you that you pay a subscription to? You pay mm-hmm. as you use it? How does it work? It's a subscription and uh, annually it ends up being $79 a month. You get 10,000 downloads like lists every um, month. And then you have a set number of dynamic lists that you can create. So the when you and I were talking about the list where they're age uh, based uh, by property or demographic as people or properties are sort of aging into them, you can get sent leads one at a time. And then if you're really exporting emails and phone numbers, there's a per record charge on things like that. Slowing down what people abuse, please don't do, don't abuse the privilege. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's very, it's very affordable. And I think keeping track of all that, if, if you've gone to title and have been bugging them for lists, um, we actually have title companies that say, have you looked at property radar? <laughs> Go to these guys because <laughs> have, we have a lot more than most title companies do. Interesting. And so, and so if they're interested in this, what's the best way to uh, connect? Um, If you go to propertyradar.com, there's a free three-day trial. Please give yourself the three days to really explore. Sign up with a one-on-one with support. Come to the table, really understanding the niche that you want to tackle and tell them what you're doing and what you've had success in. And they may be able to suggest data points you didn't even know exist. Like if you don't know what demographics are, you might not know the, okay, that's age. That's like, you know, all these different buckets of data that you didn't even know exist. So ask, there's no stupid questions. (laughs) Just show up, plug in uh, and start to play. And then community.propertyradar.com is uh, something that I monitor. So if you have questions, if you show up there, I'll I'll beat it up for you. Say that last one again. Uh, community.propertyradar.com. You don't have to even be a subscriber. If you're just curious and have questions about public records or how to find more leads for your strategy, I'll be able to help. Community.propertyradar.com. I love it. That's awesome. I love, we always love free stuff where we can go explore. (laughs) This is excellent. Aaron, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best place place or way to find you? Um, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at propertyradar.com or the community is even better. Um, that way I can send you uh, insight. One of my favorite features of the product, if you get lost and you're like, I'm really looking for this, I don't know how to find it. I can quickly create it for you and share the link. And when you click the link, it pops up on your side with all the criteria pre-built. Um, it's pretty fun. This is awesome. So folks, this has been an interesting conversation. I feel like we bounced around, we went down a couple <laughs> rabbit holes, but Ones that I think that I would agree that with you, Aaron, is that there there's a lot of opportunity. That's the that's the uh, that's the the word here. And and um, as we head into an uncertain and unclear world post COVID, and once everything kind of normalizes, you gotta you, you guys need to start figuring out ways to create business because it's not going to be easy like it is right now. And so, uh, you know, maybe, maybe uh, immersing in something like this, that is very affordable and Hey, get in, play around with it for six months, see what you can do with it. Get good at off market marketing. That's what I have to say. We've got to, as a community, get better. You've got wall street on our tail and just really start to pay attention to what they're doing local locally. They're not in every market, but when they show up, they have a buy box. So I'll give you a great example in Los Angeles. I've seen them buy a million dollar condo in Santa Monica 
And I can tell you for sure, they haven't bought anything over $600,000, 45 minutes inland. So every area is completely different. Don't assume that they're your competition. Just understand what they're doing because it puts you in a power play. As soon as you meet with a client and let's say they got, you know, they got a mailer, you can say, yeah, unfortunately you don't fit their buy box, but this is what else we can do. Mm -hmm. So I just, I love data. I love data that can deliver the bad news. So it's not you, it's just you presenting the data. <laughs> so let's do more of that in 2021. I love it. Get good at off-market marketing. That is the uh, that is going to be the the caption of this podcast. I think uh, if you don't know what that meant, you don't know what that means. You better listen to this one more time. And uh, and you know what? Probably go invest in property radar because it sounds like a hell of a tool. That would be great, and I'm glad to help if I can. Aaron, I appreciate you being on today, man. This has been fun. Thanks, Jeff. This episode of Lab Code Agents Podcast is brought to you by Link U. That's L-I-N-K, the letter U. Link U increases your referrals and conversions with automated and personalized digital follow-up. Link U's ultimate follow-up machine and done-for-you follow-up services can save you time, money, and energy by putting your follow-up on autopilot. And that's something we all need. This is how you get in front of your SOI and past clients and all different types of leads to get that consistency that you've been looking for. You want to learn more? Then you've got to attend one of their webinars hosted by LinkU's CEO and my friend, Wesley Rocha, where he reveals his follow-up secrets and the fastest way to double your real estate business. You can register now at www.followuplab.com. Trust me, this is not something you want to miss. Register now at followuplab.com. Lab Coat Agents Podcast.